Well, that was a, an attempt to bring freshness to what we're going to talk about today. That we're not on a ship. We are all uh, part of this uh, local community of believers called Windsor Community Church. And just like on a ship, the crew people are going to, they're going to suffer together. Uh, there's going to be hardships. There's going to be surprises. There's going to be joys, celebrations. The crew's going to cry together. They're going to celebrate together. As they all move forward to one common mission. And our mission as Christians at Windsor Community Church is a little bit different than those on the USS Windsor. We have an ultimate destination in mind. And before I get into this, let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are here today, that you are an ever-present help in times of trouble, that you are abiding and living in and through every Christian that is here today. And Lord, as we are uh, here in this place, I pray that we would submit our hearts and wills to you. Lord, we don't want this church to be about man-made plans. Lord, we don't want to present plans and ask you to bless them. Lord, we don't want to do that. Lord, we want to know what it is that you're up to. We want to know what it is that you're up to and how you want to use us as individuals, as families, and as a body of believers at Windsor Community Church. Use us for your glory. Use us to make disciples. Use us, Lord, to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that, that I would stand behind you. Lord, that I would stand behind your word. I pray, God, that I'd not bring any offense. Lord, I thank you. Holy Spirit, I thank you for the way that you have guided and directed the leadership team over these last 30 days. Lord, I thank you for this body of believers that is uh, so trusting in you. And, uh, Lord, I just pray that as we submit ourselves to you today, next week, next month, 2010, Lord, I pray that you do what only you can do, that you do a work in each of us and through of us for your glory, and that we look back a year from now and go, wow, wow, what a God. What a God it is that we serve. May you receive all the glory, the honor, the power today and forevermore. And God's people said, Amen. So our destination, if you turn to Colossians chapter 1, verses 28 and 29. It's Colossians 1, 28 and 29. Even though we have a mission as Windsor Community Church, there's an ultimate destination. That ultimate destination for every believer in the job of the pastors and the mission of the church is really, or the, the, uh, the goal of the church is really this, in Colossians 1, 28 and 29. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all whose energy? With all his energy that he powerfully works within me. That's the Apostle Paul talking to the church in Colossae. And what he's telling him is that, believers, I love you, and my goal, my desire, my commission is to bring you, to present you someday mature before the Lord. That is our goal as believers, is to... Is to, to this, God's going to sanctify us, and that we'll be mature before Christ someday. 
Our mission is leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Our destination is maturity and unity. Our mission is leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's described well in Matthew 28 and Acts 1. That's where we get that mission from, that our mission is to make disciples, is to be his witnesses here in Windsor, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Core values. It really dawned on me as I was, I'm not a military guy. I don't, you know, I've got like a, a second uncle that's a military person, and it, everything I've learned um, has been from John Baker. So if there's anything I've got wrong, it's John's fault. Thank you, John. And he told me something about standard operating procedures. I said, John, is there any, when you're on a ship, how does everybody know to not go and, and a hundred different directions so that everybody can be focused on the same mission. And there's something called standard operating procedures. And it's not thus says the Lord, but in this church, in every church, they have standard operating procedures. We call them core values. They're core values. And there are six of them. We're going we're gonna to go through them. We're not going to go into them in, a, in any depth. You should have got a copy of the core values. Would somebody hold that up? In your bulletin. I would suggest you put that in your Bible. And if you could just pray through those and if you have questions on those, talk to the pastors or anybody on the leadership team because it really is what governs this church, if you will. The Lord, the Lord guides us. He directs us. It's all about Him. But this, this SOP, these standard operating procedures, is what we want to run every decision through. And the first one is intimacy with God. The reason that we made it a core value is because we know as pastors, when we look at our walk, that we are prone to filling our heads with just information that is here that never makes it down to here. Now, learning is good. Knowledge is good. But if it never makes it from the head to the heart, it is for naught. It says in James that we're not to be merely hearers of the Word of God, but doers of the Word of God. And intimacy with God is about a relationship. And I know it, it, sounds, it, it sounds, well, just it's so basic. But if you're anything like me, there are days when it's not a relationship for me, that there's not that intimacy and guys, I've heard over and over again that intimacy is just not a man's term. Tough. Tough. I can't think of a better word that describes relationship than intimacy. And if you got a problem with it, this is the guys. Never mind. Should I go this way? Yeah, okay. I'll go this way. The, um, your wives long for intimacy. They long for intimacy. And God is desiring. He is there. We have a relationship with him, but he wants an intimate relationship with him where we walk with him, where we talk with him, where we depend on him, where we are doing nothing on our own. It says in uh, Jeremiah 29:12, it says, "Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. Call on me, pray to me, and I will hear you." That's an intimate relationship. He goes on to say, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And here's the question that I've got for you. Ask this question, husbands and wives, to each other. Community groups, ask this question. Is your relationship with God growing? Could it be that these could be two opposing thoughts, that your Bible knowledge is growing, but your relationship isn't? To understand the Lord and have an intimate relationship with Him, we need to hear from Him. And the way that we hear from Him is through prayer and through His Word. So we need to be in the Word. But ask yourself the question, am I accumulating information 
about God? Or is this driving me to relationship with him? Because he desires that intimate relationship. Second core value, second SOP, is encountering God in his word. And this is where the question came in, is, are you guys saying that we can only encounter God in his word? No, not at all. Not at all. Because we can encounter God through, through each other, through the grace and the kindness that's extended through each other. We've all felt that, haven't we? Have we all encountered God through each other and through times in prayer? But encountering God in his word, what that means is just what I just described. These two are inseparable. They really are. In fact, in my notes here, I say that the first two are about a relationship with our master and commander. Intimacy with the Lord and encountering God in his word. And so those two are so tied together that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flip back, back and forth. But our prayer for you and for us is that we would walk in intimacy with the Lord and that we wouldn't just read about God and his word, but we'd encounter him. We would encounter him. He wants that intimate relationship with us. And the second question to ask is, are your priorities consistent with Scripture? Are your priorities consistent with Scripture? I was sitting with a man yesterday that acknowledged a struggle of integrity. And the Lord just won't let it go away. And he's saying, you know what, I need to be obedient to this. And when he feels the Lord saying it doesn't go away, guess what he's doing? He's walking in intimacy with the Lord. Otherwise, he wouldn't even know that conviction and be sensitive to that conviction. The next four core values are really about relationship with other people. The first one is community with believers. Community with believers. That's one of our core values. We looked at Acts 2 last week, the first church, after Peter preached the gospel of Jesus and repentance. 3,000 people came to faith, and they devoted themselves to teaching. They devoted themselves to prayer. They devoted themselves to fellowship. They devoted themselves to fellowship, to the breaking of the bread. And it says, all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had a need. And they were breaking bread in each other's homes. Now, as I said last week, I don't believe that's what the Lord's calling us to today, is to sell everything and give to each other. But it's more of a heart attitude than anything else. And I think what I mentioned last week is that this church exemplifies that like no other church I've seen. And that is serving one another, community with one another. This is a church that loves to be together, isn't it? It's amazing. The question that I would ask is, are you in a small group? Community groups are a priority for us. We've had as high as 65% of the body in community groups. Right now we're at about 50%. And we would encourage you to, if you're not in a community group, to check one out, particularly in the month of February, as we're focusing on prayer. So if you're not in a community group, check it out. Fourth core value, relationship with outsiders. Fourth standard operating procedure is relationship with outsiders. It says in Acts 1-8, Matthew 28, to make disciples and to be witnesses. And this ship, the ship of Windsor Community Church, we are, we are sailing. We've been sailing for some time towards a destination. Our master and commander is who we take instructions from. And the power is the Holy Spirit filling our sails. But if we focus only on the previous core value of community with believers, which is a great place to start, by the way, we're never going to fulfill the Great Commission. We're never going to have the joy that comes from participating in the Great Commission. We are stewards, 
says in God's word that we're stewards of the manifold grace of God. Stewards are caretakers. They're not owners. And God has given us that grace to pass on. And we pass it on in many different ways. So we want to have a relationship with outsiders. The question would be is, in whom are you investing? In whom are you building a relationship with? Next core value is passionate service. Passionate service. Acts 2, again, is all about serving one another. And in 1 Peter 4.10 says, As each has received a gift. If you know Jesus, you've received a unique gift that's to be used for the common good, to edify the body of Christ, to glorify the Lord. And most of you are doing that in an incredible way, and I praise the Lord for that. The questions that I would have are, how are you gifted and where are you serving? One of the initiatives in 2010 that we're going to talk about is we're going to help you if you need the help or want the help on understanding your unique giftedness. How is it that the Lord has made you? He says that he's made you fearfully and wonderfully. He says that he's saved us by grace, but that we're saved for good works, that we're to use our gifts to serve and the last core value is proactive multiplication. This is one that's kind of, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to, to wrap your arms around. And as, as I was talking to a couple of other brothers on Saturday, we go, man, none of us are really doing a good job, even the pastors, in proactively multiplying. And here's the heart of that. It's 1 Timothy 2.2. And this is addressed to men. And it says, it's, it's actually Paul speaking to Timothy. And he says, Timothy, what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses... Entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. What we're learning in our ministries and what we're learning in reaching out to our community, we want to pass that on to other Christians so that they can then do that. We want to also multiply churches. We're part of a church planting movement. And I don't know if we'll ever plant another church out of Windsor Community Church. I'm hoping we do, but I trust the Lord with that. But I do know that there's going to be many churches planted in this network, and by God's grace, we're going to come alongside these plants, and we're going to support them financially, prayerfully, and maybe even with some of you going. Another scripture I want to share with you in regards to proactive multiplication is Titus 2, 3 through 5, and it really is speaking to the women. It says, Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in their behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good. And so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands. So ladies, same thing. If they're old as relative, there's always somebody younger. And whatever it is you're learning, there are some amazing women in this body, some amazing followers of Jesus that are, you're loving your husbands, you're loving Jesus, Pass that on to some younger ladies so that they know what it looks like to be an intimate follower of Christ and to love their husbands. I want to drop into vision for 2010. Here's what vision is. Vision is a, is a weird word. It's a corporate word. It messes me up. It, it puts you to sleep. Here's what vision is. First of all, here's what vision isn't. Looking ahead, some... Uh, corporate pastor or corporate CEO and going, this is where we're headed and we're going there come no matter what happens. That's not vision. That's not vision. I used to think that was vision. I came out of the corporate world and I thought that if there was a vision or a goal and I didn't reach it, failure. 
Loser. That's not what, that's not what vision is. Here's what vision is. Vision is, first of all, surveying who it is the Lord has brought on board. Understanding, looking back and understanding the unique giftedness and the unique brothers and sisters that the Lord has brought. That first and foremost, well, that's second. First is seeking the Lord. Second is, God, who have you brought? What are their gifts? And how do you want to use them to fulfill your mission and to glorify you? First and foremost, who's on board? Second is the landscape ahead. What's ahead? Mission doesn't change. The destination doesn't change. This life, this journey, this excursion is is limited. The time is limited. And we've got one destination. And we've got one mission. But you know what? Depending on who the Lord has brought on board, as I look at here, and depending on what's going on out ahead, the waters ahead, the landscape, the economic landscape, the spiritual landscape, where we live in America today is going to be different vision than if we were to live in Haiti today, isn't it? So there's two things that dictate vision, really three things, and that's the Lord's all over this. And if you can see on my other slides, I hope they're up there, is that we want to be a church that is continually reminded to be powered and dependent on and by the Holy Spirit. So vision comes from who's on board and what's ahead. And as we met as leaders in December, I think the second week in December, that's the question that we asked. That's the question we asked. And some of these vision steps that we are going to show you, we wouldn't have made these steps three years ago because there, was no, there, were, there wasn't the right crewmen and women on board. We could have had the greatest vision in the world and fallen flat on our face because the Lord wasn't leading. And one of the obvious ways the Lord's leading is by who he's bringing. And I, don't, I can't emphasize that enough. So let's take a look at Vision 2010. And this was really shaped by the things I just described and then also taking a look at our five-year vision that we set in January of 2009. I want to say it again. Vision is to be adjusted. There's one destination, one mission, but it can be adjusted. Are you with me? So I think a lot of times that's what turns me off on vision. When I hear somebody's vision, is because it's a man's vision and he's going to accomplish it no matter what. First vision step, intentional, expectant prayer. We were talking at our leadership meeting about wanting to see more people come to Christ, more people grow to maturity in Christ. And a couple of the guys in unison said, yes, but. Yes, but. Let's not be about anything until we're about prayer. Because prayer is the ultimate, as Pastor Chris said earlier, it's the ultimate evidence of dependence on the Lord. It's the ultimate evidence of dependence on the Lord. And the next two Sundays, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this today, but the next two Sundays, we're going to deep dive into prayer. We're going to look at what the scriptures say about why pray, how to pray, what is prayer. And then the community groups in February, there's going to be a lot of practical praying. A lot of practical praying, maybe a little bit of teaching time, but mostly praying. Kevin Richter is going to lead this charge. Kevin, would you stand up, bro? Kevin is a pastor in training, and he's been a pastor in training for, for over a year, and him and Elise have been a part of this church for 
since day one, and some. And that Kevin and Lisa's heart is to pray. And there's, there's some of the rest of you that your hearts are to pray as well. And Kevin is really going to lead this charge. And what I mean by this charge, it is going to be gathering those of you that have a heart to pray and that want to see this to be a praying church. That we do, first and foremost, we pray. We have a prayer jerk reaction to circumstances and not a knee jerk reaction. Prayer jerk, not a knee jerk. So, so Kevin may be calling some of you this week and uh, you'll be hearing from Kevin a lot more. Would you pray for him as he just seeks the Lord on what this movement, I, I want to call it a ministry, but it's not a ministry, it's a movement. And I want to just stop and pray. Would you come up here, sis? Father, I thank you for what you're doing. Lord, I thank you that this is your church. I thank you that, that you are sovereign. I thank you, God, that you desire an intimate, surrendered, dependent relationship from each of us. We thank you, Lord, that, that you are a good God, that every good and perfect gift comes from you, that you're the joy giver, that you're the hope giver. And, Lord, I pray for Kevin and his wonderful partner, Lisa. Lord, I pray that as he leads this initiative, this movement, God, I just pray that, that we would not even do this in the flesh. Lord, we could do this in the flesh. Lord, we could set up all kinds of hoops and hurdles and this and that. But, Lord, we want our hearts to be completely dependent on you. And, Lord, would you build a culture here that has a prayer jerk reaction and not a knee jerk reaction. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. So that's our first vision step in 2010. Second is, is, as we've looked at the crew, as we've looked on board, God's brought a number of you that have a passion and an experience in missions. And we recognized that about a year ago. We looked around and went, golly, where are these people coming from? And thank you, Lord. And we gathered these mission-minded folks about a year ago and the way I described it to one of these brothers is I said, I think we had a, we had a false start. False start. And when he says, no, Dan, I don't think it was a false start. I think the Lord really did some things. But I think he wants to do more. And so one of the things that we're going to do is, this is a small church. This is a, this is a small ship that has the same mission as every other Jesus-following church on the planet. And that's to make disciples. But we're a small church, and we need help in getting this done because we really feel like that there, there might even be a, a bit of disobedience, uh, certainly on my part, in not moving forward on this and moving forward aggressively because the Lord has called us to make disciples. We want to form a missions advisory council, a MAC. And we want to do that for several reasons. One is, and first and foremost, is so that they are praying continually for the harvest. So they're praying for people in Windsor. They're praying for church plants up and down the front range. They are praying for, for cultures around this world that have yet to even hear about Christ. Second thing they'll do is oversee mission spending. In this church, we give a total of 17% to missions. 5% goes to Crossway Chapel Network of Churches. 12% goes directly to missions. And we've got some money in the account right now. A good bit of money, about $2,400 a month, goes into that account. And we want a committee that will advise the pastors, that will be an advisory committee on how to employ this money. I think it was Pastor Dean that said this at one of our meetings. Is We were talking about, well, well, what kind of balance should we keep there and that type of thing. And I think it was Pastor Dean, I think Chris said amen, and is we need to keep a zero balance. 
We need to keep a zero balance. Not the general account, but the missions account. <laughs> Not the general account. A couple of you, your eyes went back in your head. But the missions account. Next thing this council will do is keep the body informed of prayer requests, praises, and general updates. One thing I've heard over and over again is communication has gotten so much better in this body, but keep working on that. Tell us what the needs are. Tell us who we can pray for. When there are opportunities, when, when, uh, when uh, the Roths are in, at Mountain Shadows or other people are reaching out in their neighborhoods, there's a cookie exchange, there's a neighborhood soup, whatever, let's be praying for each other. Next, what we want to do is we want to form three subcommittees. This is really important because most of us, when we think of missions, we think of the ends of the earth. Most of us. We want three subcommittees that get a heart for different parts of this. The first is we want a team of people that are praying for Windsor and the surrounding area that are helping us equip this body to be on mission in our neighborhoods, to be on mission in our workplace. So that's first and foremost is that, that we want to have a group of people that own this part of it reaching out to the town of Windsor. We made a, a dot at 15th Street and Main Street, and we went five miles in each direction. That's 100 square miles. There's 38,000 people in that. And we know the demographics. We know what kind of ministry not to start, although God's bigger than that. I don't think we should start a homeless ministry. But as somebody told me once, the way the economy's going, maybe we should be thinking ahead. I don't know. Second is... The second committee of three is reaching the front range. We've got two church plants that are on the docket for the front range in the next 12 months. We want to plant churches up and down the front range. We're part of the Crossway Chapel Network of Churches, and we want a team of people that come alongside these church plants so that you can bring back to us how to pray for these church plants. What are their needs? How about a short-term youth mission trip to the Denver church plant and helping them? reach that neighborhood. How about the church plant that's going to go up in the Eaton Alt area? And it's going to be a plant to both people and cows, I think. But how can we help them reach those people that love cows? So a mission advisory committee. The next initiative is what? It's to build a permanent facility. In December, that was one of our vision steps for 2010. We wanted to see this body worshiping and reaching this community out of a permanent facility. Now, I can take guff from about nine different directions on that comment alone. The word permanent. With the word permanent, only the Lord knows. Permanent might mean three years. It might mean seven years. It might mean... Joey will be pastoring there someday. We don't know what permanent means, but what we do know is that the Lord has provided us a building and we are going to be worshiping in there and it is going to be a training camp so that we can train each of us up so we can present one another mature in Christ someday and so that we can reach out to this community. A couple of key things here. An objective for this facility is little or no debt. That's an objective. Second objective particularly those of you that are involved in the trenches, this is very important. Form follows function. Form follows function. And the mistake that we make, certainly in the church today, but hospitals make this mistake, corporations make this mistake, they build these beautiful buildings, and they move in and they go, it doesn't work. So 
Form follows function. Okay? And for those of you on the committee, that function is that you've got to be intimately acquainted with our mission as a church and our core values. Because you know what? If we plan this building out without the team leaders and the committee leaders understanding what the mission is and what the core values are, we're going to have a building that is not built to fulfill our mission. Does that make sense? And I praise the Lord that, I, that we do, that we've got, there is, uh, there is um, I think there's meetings going on every day with people. And the best news is that I'm not a part of one of those. The third point on the new facility is, I just said it, but it's as soon as possible with excellence. As soon as possible with excellence. Proverbs 16.9, the heart of man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. We've got a goal of being in there Easter. I mean, the Lord's going to have to do something really special for that to happen. If you'd pray that way, that'd be great. Secondary goal would be around the 22nd, the anniversary of the tornado. Third goal is, you, you call it. But we want to do it as soon as possible with excellence and full dependency upon the Lord. Next initiative is community groups. Community groups. Uh, we're going to have a prayer focus in February. Can I encourage you that even if, you, if you're not part of a community group and you're not planning on being a part of a community group, to do it in February? Because it is going to be a sweet time like I think this body has never seen before as we get on our knees together as six different community groups and call out and cry out to the Lord for His mercy on this town, His mercy in this world, and to empower us to do His will. There's going to be a focus on increased training for the leaders. We've heard from the community group leaders that they want more focused training. More focused training. We're going to do that in 2010. We've asked each leader to have an apprentice. Remember, one of our core values is multiplication. Well, it's hard to multiply anything when there's not somebody that is walking alongside you in your training. So we're asking every community group leader to have an apprentice. So if you are in a community group and you're not leading one and you'd like to be an apprentice, talk to your leader. And then in community groups, we want to encourage an outward focus. Remember, the core value that I think we do the best at is community with believers. And we don't want to do anything to blow that up. But as we are, as we are locking arms and loving each other and encouraging one another and bearing each other's burdens, we need to reach out together. We talked about this as a community group last week. Danette Humble jumped on it in about three seconds. And the ladies are doing something this week. Thank you very much. And I just really, I want to encourage you guys as community group leaders to gather your people. It's, it's almost a mini version of what we're doing here. Look at who's on board, what their passions are, what they're excited about, what their giftedness is, and do something. Maybe it's once a month. Hendrickson's do a game night once a month. I love that idea. And on these game nights, every family, bring somebody that you're investing in. Adopt a neighborhood. Adopt a nursing home. Adopt an elementary school. Adopt a middle school, middle school teacher. Adopt something as a community group, and let's get this focus going out. Next vision step, and this, this is, I, I know this is the worst slide in the world, um, so you might want to just look at me instead of this slide. This is a lot of words, but we want to create an obvious pathway to maturity and unity. Here's what I mean by that. 
is in the past, there's, been, there's a lot of good things that have gone at Windsor Community Church. Lots of people have been saved. Lots of people have grown. But what people can't come to this church and just kind of drop in and know the flow to maturity. If you know what I'm talking about, we, we, we just kind of we start things, we stop things, and we want to have a pathway where somebody can jump in the jet stream and they can, they can be a part of this. One is biblical distinctives. That's going on right now, Sunday mornings. If you're, if you're new to the body and you've got the time, jump into biblical distinctives. That's going to get you into the jet stream of the flow of what's happening in this church quicker than anything else that, that we can do. If you can't make this one, make the next one. In the biblical distinctives, we're going to do a gift and passion assessment. Everybody that comes into this church that goes through biblical distinctives, we're going to help them understand the unique way that the Lord's wired them. And then we're going to help them use their gifts by helping them understand the ministries in the church and also the ministries outside the four walls of the church. So biblical distinctives will have a new module where we'll help you understand your giftedness and help you employ that giftedness because the Lord has saved us for good works. And by the way, we are going to do this with the entire body as well sometime in the first quarter. For anybody that wants to understand better how the Lord has used you, and we want to encourage you towards your giftedness. Community group is another step in this pathway. Community group involvement. How to study your Bible. Biblical life skills. Finances. Marriage. Parenting. Men's and women's Bible studies. There's two women's Bible studies that go, are going on right now. When are those, Heidi? Tuesday evening at Heidi's house. And when's the other one? Monday morning at Susan Seiler's house. So, ladies, it's a great opportunity to get connected. Those aren't full. Can they join if they still want to? Yeah? Good. And then uh, we've had a men's study on Tuesday mornings. We're just finishing up a book called Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. And we're going to start a second session. If you'd like to be in a, involved in a men's study, Tuesday mornings at 6 a.m. 6 in the morning. Talk to me. Ministry team and or leadership. We have 40 men and women that are part of the ministry team at, here at Windsor Community Church. And we meet quarterly. We've got a leadership team that consists of 12 guys. And then we desire to have a pastor's institute. Um, in our network, we've trained up over 30 pastors. And we desire to do that from, uh, from this campus, if you will. And we've talked to a, f- a few of you about it. We'd like to start a class in the fall. If you have an interest in this Pastors Institute, it's two and a half years. Please talk to me, Dean, or Pastor Chris, Pastor Dean or Pastor Chris. All right, last initiative. It's deacons with a purpose. We have a deacon board here. Most of you uh, probably didn't know that. We've got four deacons, Steve McBurney, Gary Cooper, Mark Babb, and Stan Hummel. And these guys, when, when we asked these guys to be on the deacon board, we surveyed who was out there. And these guys were already deking. They were already serving. And we said, you know what, you're already serving. Just can we formalize that and make you deacons? And we kind of been, we've been operating that way for a few years. But here's where, where we need to shore it up a little bit. And it is the pastor's fault, not the deacon's fault. And that is, is that they've been deacon over everything. We'd like them to be deacon over something. And so next week, we're going to bring these guys up, and we're going to tell you what it is that they're deacon over. We we're going to do that today, but there just wasn't enough time. And then we're going to pray for them. The, the word deacon really comes from deaconess. You see that in First Timothy. We've got two new deacons, potentially. John, if you could come up. Ramona, would you come with him? And Roger, would you come up? And Joanne, would you come with your hubby? And I want to read from First Timothy 3. It's 1 Timothy 3, 8 through 13, and it tells us 
what the deacon's qualifications are. And what deacon means is servant or minister. Servant or minister, that's the noun form. And here's what the qualifications are for a deacon. These qualifications are, we expect perfection. Is that okay? (laughs) Okay, and if we expected perfection, there'd be no pastors, there'd be no deacons, and there'd be nobody in the seats. But these are the qualifications. This is the Lord, in our process of sanctification, He does want a direction, and perfection is going to come someday when we're in heaven. That's when we're glorified. Here's what it says in 1 Timothy. Deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy or dishonest. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. And let them also be tested first, and let them serve as deacons, if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Jesus Christ. A couple of things that stand out here are not double-tongued, not liars, not addicted to wine. It doesn't say you can't drink wine. Not greedy, not dishonest. That you're boldly living out and proclaiming your faith. Their wives... Isn't it interesting that they throw the wives in here? Isn't that cool? It's a neat deal. Wives must be dignified, not slanderers, be sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let each deacon be the husband of one wife. And just explain that there. These men are husbands of one wife. There might be a day when we bring somebody up here that was divorced at one point. You know, God's Word isn't clear on that. And we'll look at each case, case by case. These men are our husbands of one wife manage their children and their households well. Now I want to go to Acts 6. And even though this does not use the noun deacon, it uses the verb deacon, which is serve. And this is really the purpose. We just described the qualifications, and this is the purpose. And by the way, I'm so excited about this, I can hardly sit still. So this is after thousands of people came to Christ. And the apostles have been teaching. The apostles have been doing a lot. They've been teaching, they've been serving, they've been, they've been praying, they've been doing a lot. And here's what it says in, in chapter 6, verse 1. Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because of their widows, because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. You know what? Sometimes that happens in this body, where sometimes there are things that are neglected, and it's usually because the pastors try to do too much. We always got willing servants. Always, always, always got willing servants. But we need people to mobilize the servants. And that really is one of the the jobs of the deacon. So the widows were being neglected in the daily distribution of food. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples. The twelve summoned the body, all the believers. And it said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers and sisters, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit, and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we, the pastors, we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Iconor, and Timon, and all these other guys. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid hands on them. 
couple points of clarification. As pastors, we want to be characterized by a couple things. If you pray for us, and that is ministers of the word and devoted to prayer. We also want to be characterized as servant leaders. We want to serve. Deacons are not giving the pastors an excuse to sit in their chair at their table reading the scriptures and praying when people are perishing all around us. It's a good place to start. And here's, here's the charge, body, is we are not going to affirm these men today. If you would pray for these guys and their wives this next week, and if there's anything at all in their character that is not becoming of First Timothy 3, if it's something that prevents them from being a deacon, if you would let Pastor Dean, Pastor Chris, or myself know, if there's just something that you want to tell them, something that you've observed, or something you want to encourage them with, go to them directly. Okay? We're going to bring them back up here, God willing, and all the deacons next week, and we're going to lay hands on them and really uh, rejoice in the God's goodness and, and send them out. Amen? We give these guys and gals a, a hand.